and I hope everyone heard Wesley clearly, it's going to be amazing advice, all right? Not just some advice, we're going to give amazing advice today. Hey, we're glad that you are here, and thank you so much for coming and celebrating uh, not only, of course, our seniors, but we've come and celebrated today the goodness of God, and we appreciate you coming and being a part of that. We hope that you're blessed by your time here with us, and again, we just thank you for taking the opportunity to share with us. If you're watching online, if you're listening on our podcast, we appreciate you tuning in and being a part of the things that are going on here at East Brainerd. We want you to know that uh, God wants to cultivate the character of Jesus Christ into the life of every believer. So everyone who is called by God, all of those who say, you know what, I am placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I am, I am trusting God for not only my life here, but the one to come. God wants to cultivate the character of Christ into that individual. The Apostle Paul described this as fruit when he wrote to a group of Christians living in Galatia. It's not your fruit. It's not my fruit. It's not their fruit. It's not anybody else's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's fruit. It's his character that he wants to reveal through you. So Paul put it like this. He said, allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life. And if you do so, he says, God will produce in you the characteristics of Jesus. You'll have his love and his joy and his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and his self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's the result of a God-centered life. It's the result of a God-centered life. And that's a lot easier said than done, all right? It's a lot easier said than done. And I've talked with some different individuals this week who have shared with me just just how really difficult it is to say no to our human nature. Now I want you to know, if as we've been talking about this idea of centering in on God and allowing the Spirit to develop the characteristics of Christ in our life, if you thought, man, this is just difficult because there is this, seems like there is this tug of war that's going on inside of me, you need to understand you're not alone. Because the Apostle Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5 how every believer is in constant conflict with one inside. Constant conflict because of our human nature, the sinful nature that we have, and it desires what is opposite or contrary to the Spirit of God. And so Paul says, look, here's why you don't always do the things that you want to do. And here's why you do some of those things that you don't want to do. Here's the reason for it. Here's what he says in verse 17. He says, the sinful nature just wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, he says, are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. See, in the life of every believer, there are these two opposing forces. There's the sinful nature, and there's the spirit, and these two are constantly warring against each other. They want what is opposite for your life. But here's the deal with that. We get to choose who wins. All right, we get to choose who actually wins. But the problem comes in that what we're hearing so much today is that we're being trying to be convinced that it's possible to say yes to self and at the same time say yes to God. And so we kind of talked about this a little last week, how that we're encouraged to use our freedom in Christ as a license to throw off all restraint. And so we say there's no rules. No rules, just do what feels good because God loves you. 
And that's the message that we're hearing more and more. God loves you, and God loves everything about you, and you're okay. Your desires are okay, even if they're sinful. And your language is okay, even if it's vulgar. Your relationships are okay, even if they don't honor God. Your attitude, even though it's selfish, it's okay because, well, God loves you, and, and that just makes all the difference, and everything is just okay about you. And you can say yes to self, and yes to whatever it is that you want, whoever it is that you want to be, whatever it is that you want to do, you can say yes to that self, and you can also say yes to God. That's the message that we hear. But the Apostle Paul says no. He says, no, you, you can't. You can't do that because you and God want something that is completely different. You want something that's opposite from the other. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to one another, he says. We cannot say yes to opposing forces. We have to choose. And so that means we have to choose love or hate. Or we choose joy, or we choose bitterness. We choose patience or anxiety. We choose gentleness or brutality. We choose goodness or wickedness, kindness or meanness, self-control or restraint. These are the choices that we have, but we cannot say yes to ourselves and yes to God. But as I said at the beginning, the great news is we have the opportunity to say yes to the character of Christ being produced in our lives. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, with that kind of a, as a little bit of a recap of kind of where we've been and kind of gives you an idea of also where we're going, what I want us to do is just spend some time this morning thinking about just one of the character traits that the Spirit wants to cultivate in the life of, of every believer. Uh, and so to help me out this morning, I'm going to ask our, our youth ministers, I want Will and Kristen to come and, and join me here on stage. Um, grab one of the microphones, guys, if you would. And uh, then grab these chairs and just one on either side, doesn't matter. I want you guys to join me on stage and sit here around the table with me. And I want you to join me in order to give me some street cred with the seniors, okay? Uh, I used to be the cool young preacher, all right? I was the cool young preacher. And then I just became the preacher. But more and more, I'm becoming the old preacher. And then to some of you, I'm just Micah's dad, all right? So that's just kind of how it, that's how it works. So I need some help. And the help that I need, well, it hasn't always gone well as they have tried to, to help me understand. You see, these guys, they're the gen reps of our ministry step. They're, they're the Gen Z representatives, Okay, and so one of their jobs is to kind of help me at least sound cool. And so, well, not too many months ago, I tried to work the term bussin' into a lesson. I don't know if you guys remember when I, when I did that or not. I tried to do that, but I couldn't remember what the word was that I was going to work into the lesson. And so I was supposed to say that the Apostle Paul was bussin', all right? Instead, I said the Apostle Paul was bangin'. Which apparently is whole different. <laughs> they tried. I mean, they were like, hey, this would be great. You know, here's some things. You know, let's just slide this in. And 
Uh, and, and, you, and you guys know, if you've been here with us for a while, I like to slide things in, in the message, just to see who's paying attention, you know, see who's listening at different times. And boy, did I find out that our teens were listening that day. And uh, so, so I, need, I need their help. But look, Kristen and Will are a tremendous asset and have been to our church family. Two years now, right? You said? Yeah. All right. We're not going to turn your microphone on. Uh, it's just there. It's a prop, all right? It's just, you just hold it. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, so two years. After three, you can have the microphone work, and we'll, we'll talk again. But it's been two years, and you guys really, you've been a tremendous asset and blessing um, not just for uh, our church family as a whole, but also, of course, for our, for our teens, uh, the seniors, all the way down to those who are in, who are in middle school. Now, look, uh, that being said, Kristen, I know we've, we've already kind of told everybody that, that you're going to be leaving us uh, midsummer, and so I thought I'd just give you an opportunity just to share kind of what's, what's coming up next. We, we talk about where the seniors are going and kind of what they're looking at. What are you going to go major in, Kristen? What are you, what's, what are you going to be doing? I think your microphone works. I forgot to flip it on at first. Um, yes, yeah, so this July, I will be moving to um, start working at a program at a school called Franklin Road Academy. And um, with this program, it's going to help me um, grow and learn about how to teach better. And so I'll be moving there and teaching middle school English and Bible and kind of working throughout the year to get better and improve those kind of skills and more experience in that area. And yeah, it's very bittersweet. Um, I wasn't here when you announced it, which is probably good because I would anybody on staff anybody um, on staff can testify that I'm just now getting to a place where I'm able to talk about it without bawling my eyes out. And so um, it's very bittersweet. Well, we're thankful and excited for you, but I can guarantee you, and I speak for uh, the congregation here, we're definitely going to miss you. But you're only going to be up in Nashville. You're not going to be too far away, so you'll be able to um, come back and, and visit. And some of the schools I know play Franklin Road at different times in sporting events, and so probably we'll be able, some of the kids might be able to see you there. Uh, but you've still got a couple of months. You're going to fly into the summer. You're going to be a part of Impact. You're going to be a part of camp. And so those big events, you're going to, um, you're still going to be with us. Now, Will, are, are you still going to be here? Are you going to be here? Are you going anywhere? Oh, yeah. You, uh, okay, hang on. <laughs> oh, yeah, to which one? I, I said, are you, are you going to be here? Are you going yes. to be going anywhere? Uh, no, I will be here. Kid, you're stuck with me for a little while, at least, until you get rid of me. So. All right, great. That is bussin'. <laughs> All right. That was, <laughs> I know, that was, that was, I, I, I intentionally didn't tell you I was going to do that, so I, I, did, I didn't want you to stop me from having, from having my moment there. Um, all right, hey, let's talk a little bit about how God's Holy Spirit wants to cultivate this idea of love in, in our life. Now, we've already said how that it's not, um, it's not our fruit, it is the fruit of the Spirit, and so it's the result of a God-centered life. It's God producing in us something that we cannot produce on our own. So we're going to start, the, start right here. And, and we're going to ask the question and kind of walk through this together. How is the love that is produced by the fruit of the Spirit different from our own love that we try to share with, with each other? And so this past week, the three of us, we kind of sat down and we started looking at this particular idea. We tossed this question around and we began to focus on the fact that we love those who love us. 
I mean, if you think about it, that's kind of how it goes, right? That, that's just our default. We love those who love us. We love those who are like us. And Kristen, I think you use the term kind of conditional, that we have this I will love you if love, right? Yeah, the, that was the first thing that came to my mind when we were talking about this question, because I just feel like we, um, our kind of love that we as people naturally do is a very conditional love of whenever we go out of our way to love somebody in some sort of way, we usually um, are expecting something in return. Whether or not that's like we feel that's our motivation, most of the time that's our expectancy, and I'm pretty sure it does motivate us to do more on most occasions. Like if I go out of my way to like do something for somebody, I usually expect at least like a thank you or something, or I get offended if somebody doesn't um, thank me or say something in return or something like that. Um, and then I was also thinking of it of conditional in a way that like I think a lot of us have a tendency when it comes to love um, to put ourselves in this position of being a judge on whether or not somebody deserves love from us. I think that we are very quick to be the ones who, I think sometimes we even do it without even realizing it. Um, we tend to like make these lists in our head and categories, like who is most deserving of love around us and who probably doesn't deserve it as much, who do I deserve to get love from more, all these kinds of things. And I was like, honestly like thinking about that, it made me reflect on how often I do that in my own life. And then I was just laughing at it because I've been reading this book um, talking about like agape love, um, which you know there's all different versions of the word love. Um, and agape love is a word used to refer to the kind of love from God. And the more I was just thinking about it and I was reading this book about this word, I was just thinking about you know how crazy it is that how different our kind of love is from the kind of love that comes from God. Because God's love is the total opposite of everything that I just said. That all his kind of love and sacrifice that he does for us without getting anything in return for us, from us. And the fact that if we were to put ourselves in God's shoes for just like five seconds, we would see how all on an even playing field we are of undeserving of um, the kind of love that we get. Yeah, I'm glad that God did not say, I will love you if, Chris. You know, I, I will love you if you're able to, you know, get all of these things right in your life. Or I will love you if, you know, you do this as a husband. I will love you if you do this as a father. If you can do this as, as a minister. I am so thankful that God doesn't treat me the way that, honestly, again, that we treat oftentimes one another. Where there's just all these conditions, especially when we run into people that we are not like. You know, when people who are, who are maybe different from us in, in different ways, and it's like, wow, um, I don't know if you can give me anything. And I don't know if I need to share love with you. And, and, and Will, that's kind of where you brought up how that when you go to college or even when you're at work, you know, you're going to be surrounded and not be able to separate yourself or remove yourself from people who often have opposing views from you or differing opinions because these graduates are not going to be able to put themselves in a bubble. And I know that as parents, oftentimes we like to do that. We want to just, you know, wrap our child in bubble wrap as we send them out into the world and, you know, put some type of force field around them. But we're not going to be able to do that. And all of a sudden, we've got graduates going off, going to be at college, going to be surrounded by a lot of different views, a lot of different types of people. And then what are they going to do? I mean, what, what happens? How, how are you able to be in that kind of environment, you know? Yeah, I mean... When I, when I think just like my own experience um, going off, I'm from small town, 7,000 people, Fayetteville, Tennessee, and moved to Dallas, Texas. 
um, which seems like the South, and then you get there, and all the people I went to school with were from California, and we love them, but they're not from the South, and so all these things that, like, are just normal to us in our regular life, and the things that we do, and saying hi to people that we don't know, and like, saying y'all, sweet tea, and y'all, and all these, like, they don't do that in California a whole lot, uh, which is fine, but, but even more so, like, we, we all kind of live in our own bubbles where we're at, whether it's the high school you go to or the youth group you're a part of or the sports team you play on or like any of these things, a lot of times we get this kind of herd mentality and, and we all think the same way. And then you get colleges where all of these people are coming together from their own herds and with their own perspectives and none of them match up. Some may overlap a little bit, but at the end, you're surrounded by people who may identify with the same identifiers as you do, as Christian and conservative or liberal or like whatever it may be. And you may think to yourself at one point, like these ideas are laughable. Like these don't, this is not right. This is not what I grew up believing or any, any of those things. And so it, it becomes this crazy time of learning to to love people not because I agree with you but being able to see through that and say okay you were created in the image of God by God and so for that reason alone you deserve love not because of what you believe or who you voted for or how you identify but but because you're a child of God and so what we have happening then we've got college students who, who are leaving home and, and they're going into a, a world where they are going to be surrounded by, by, by more individuals than they have in the past who have differing views about life and love and everything else than perhaps they do. But they're potentially moving off into that area with this mindset of, well, I will love you if. I, I will have this conditional love you know, for you. And so I think it's no wonder that we have a world that's crying out for people to be more loving but yet we look around and we see that we're becoming more divided because we're like, look, I want you to love more, but I'm only going to love you if you love me back and if you have these, this, these views or, or if you do this. And, and so we live in a world of difference is the best way that I can describe it. We live in a world of difference with different views and different opinions and different likes and different dislikes. And apparently, at least what we're hearing at least what we're hearing in a lot of, of the voices of our age, apparently we can only love if we are alike, though. If we agree. And so we live in this world of difference, but we're told we can only love if we're alike. And so there's no wonder that we're becoming more and more divided. And I think it's obvious that we all need to say yes to a different kind of love. Now here comes that awesome wisdom, Wesley, that you talked about, okay? This is what I really want the seniors to kind of focus in on here, is that a different kind of love is needed for a different kind of world. And let me tell you, the love that the Holy Spirit offers and describes and wants to produce, it is definitely a different kind of love. Jesus talked about it in his Sermon on the Mount. I want everybody to open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see what's going to be talked about here. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to kick off in verse 43. So take out your phone, get your iPad. Get the um, old school book with paper and find there Matthew chapter 5. Where Jesus says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Now there was actually no law that said this. It was more of an interpretation of just existing commands there throughout Hebrew scripture. And Jesus had been going through, here in this Sermon on the Mount that we like to call it, this list of, you have heard it said, but now I am going to tell you issues. And each issue had dealt with how the followers of God had misunderstood and they had misinterpreted, they had mistaught, they had misapplied the Hebrew Scriptures to the detriment of all their relationships and also to the detriment of their representation of God. So Jesus is saying, look, I know what you have heard. And I know what you've been taught, or more to, the, more to the point, I know how it is that you are living right now, but I'm going to share something different with you. I'm going to share a different way of doing life as God's children. So you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And the people all nodded in agreement. Yeah, that's what we understand. And not a lot has changed. You see, that's still the message that we are hearing almost on a daily basis. And it's why so many believers and unbelievers alike are, are living a, an I'll love you if, this, this conditional love that Kristen talked about. I'll love you if you are my neighbor. I'll love you if you're not my enemy. I'll love you if we are alike. I'll love you if we don't disagree. And Jesus said, that's what you've been taught. And, and guys, I, especially those of you who are parents, grandparents, and older, I want you to understand that is what, especially this group over here and these kids that are spread out across our room today, that's what they're being taught. I'll love you if. But Jesus says, let me teach you a different way. Love your enemies, he says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I wish that we could have heard the gasp coming out of the crowd, and I, I wish we could see the facial expressions and I wish that we could kind of look around and, and see what the conversations are going on between these people as they hear Jesus say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Because I can just imagine they're saying, wait a minute. Did, did he just say love the person that's against me? And did he just say that I am to pray for the person that causes me to suffer? I mean, Jesus, after all, why would I want to do that? And here's what he said. If you do this, he says, you'll be acting as a true child of God, a true child of your Father in heaven, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And so Jesus tells the people who consider themselves to be children of God by birth that the descendants of God are not necessarily known by their birth certificate, but by their love certificate. A woman shows herself to be God's child by refusing to return hate for hate. And a man shows himself to be God's child by asking God's blessing for the person who has brought him nothing but heartache and, and pain. And Jesus says, look, you, you don't hoard. You don't hoard or play favorites with your blessings. That's the point of saying, look, God lets it, the sun shine if you're good or if you're bad. He lets it rain and, and, and he encourages the crops to grow if you are a heathen or if you're the most God-honoring person. He doesn't hoard his blessings. And friends, neither should his people. No matter if you're one of our graduates or if you're one of our grandparents, you were born to be a conduit of God's blessings to everyone. And I think it could be that we are never more like God than when we demonstrate love to the person who has hurt us or who has offended us, who has betrayed us. I mean, I really think that's when we're the most like God, when we are treating people in that, 
in that way. Now, I know, Will, you said that you read something from pastor and author David Platt that, that really speaks to, to this whole idea of, look, we're to be a blessing and, and love no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, were, when we were having this conversation, um, kind of talking through this morning and, and what advice would you give a senior, and we were kind of going through all this fruit study and things like that, um, you know, the, the question was asked, what's the difference between human love and, and the love that the Spirit produces? And, and the first thing that I thought of, I, I read the book Radical by David Platt at one point, and he's got a lot of examples in there of people doing radical things um, because of their faith. And, um, and one of the stories that made me think of, and I can't remember if this is the exact story in the book, but it's, it's very similar to a lot, is is the story of Elizabeth Elliot, who was um, married to a guy named Jim Elliot, and they were both missionaries uh, in Ecuador. They were going to like remote villages and tribes and things like that and sharing the gospel. Um, and they had been told about this one tribe that was pretty hostile um, towards missionaries and just outside people in general. And, and Jim, her husband, decided to go anyways. Him, along with like four other people, go into this tribe and, and they're killed. Um, and so uh, a little time passes and, and there's a couple doors that kind of start to open of them to be able to, to learn about the culture and things um, from people who had left this tribe that killed her husband. Um, and they do this for a little bit and, and all the while they're still being warned, like, hey, this is not a safe place to go. And, and one of the things she said, I'm probably going to butcher this quote, is, is if this is what God is calling me to do, then all else is irrelevant. And so she, um, she takes time with another lady, and they go in to this tribe and share the gospel um, and convert so many of, of the people from this tribe um, to Christianity and, and bring all of those people to Jesus. And, and so the thing that, that strikes me is the difference between, you know, our love and, and the love that the Spirit produces is, is our love is, is conditional. It says, I'm going to do things that, that may be awesome, great, beneficial things because of personal reasons. I want to go cure cancer because my grandmother died of cancer. Um, but I think, I think the love that the Spirit produces and, and the love that Jesus is talking about is, is I'm going to go tell these people who killed my husband about Jesus because... They need Jesus just as much as I do, um, no matter what. Elliot said, uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to lay hold of that which he cannot lose. And that, that's the idea when it comes to allowing the Spirit of God, I think, to develop this type of love within us. It, it, it causes us then to, to relate to people and to do things that others might look at and say are crazy. And why would you give up this life over here in order to go and, and do this? And it's like, well, because I, it's because I love God. It's because I love others. And it's because of that love I'm doing what I'm doing. Guys, acting like God's children is not about having the same theological beliefs or, or having the same religious practices or, or, or having the same opinions about things. Acting like God's children is about living out a different type of love. And that's the love that we want our seniors to leave here with. A love that when they get to campus, all of a sudden people look at it and go, wait a minute, man, you're acting totally different than the rest of the generation that's around you. 
The way that you're treating others and, and the way that you are loving, you're, you're, not having, you're not having these boundaries and you're not just saying, I'm going to love this group and I'm going to shun that one over here. And, and then you're taking chances to be able to talk to individuals about God, even if it means that you're going to be shunned, even if it means that you could lose something. is a different kind of love. And so Jesus continues by saying, look, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there in that for you? He says, even those corrupt tax collectors, they do that much. He says, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Think about that. If you are only kind to your friends, Jesus says, how can you be different from anyone else? Because even people who don't believe in God do that. He said, even the pagans treat people that way. Anyone can show love to people who are like them. But it's hard to be kind to the person who believes something different from me theologically or, or votes different from me politically or, or lives different from me culturally. It can be difficult sometimes for us to be kind to that different person. The person who goes to a different school, the person who attends a different church. But oh, you give me somebody who lives in my neighborhood, someone who drives what I drive, who, who thinks like I think, listens to the same podcast that I listen to and buys the same clothes that I buy. Man, it's easy to be kind to those people. And Jesus says, well, what's so different about that? Even people who don't believe in God know how to be nice. But guys, there's got to be something different about God's children. Our love is not based on a person's relationship to us, but it's based on our relationship with God. Jesus presents a new paradigm. It's a new way of, of looking at and relating to the people around us by saying, look at what God is doing and look at how God is blessing. And Kristen, I love how you said, look, if we just think about ourselves and realize, wow, look at the love that God is pouring out on us. Who am I to be getting this kind of, uh, of love? It causes us to change the way we relate to others. Guys, he blesses everyone, even you. Yeah, or, or me, he blesses everybody. God is a blesser of those people that you're going to see when you go out to eat here a little bit later. He's going to be a blesser of those that you're going to see walking down the street here in a minute. He's going to be a blesser of those that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the blesser of the people that you, you hear on the radio, those that you're going to see on television or online. He blesses everybody. And it will be much easier for you to be a blessing when you focus on God instead of on the person or the position that the person has. See, if you only see the person or if you only see the position that they hold about something, then you are going to have a difficult time having the love that God wants us all to have because we're focused in the wrong place. We've got to be centered on God. And it's amazing how much better everyone gets along once we stop focusing on the other and center ourselves where we truly need to be centered. And I know, Kristen, um, you shared with us a story this week, and you were talking to, to us about um, something that took place in Israel at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And I thought it would be a good way for us to kind of wrap up this kind of idea for you to share that. Yeah, so this was the first thought that came to my mind when we were talking about this was this story. So when I was in college, I had the blessing to um, spend a week over in Israel. Um, it was an amazing experience, beautiful opportunity. Um, but so we were there for a week and we spent a lot of time in like the Jerusalem area. And um, while we were there, something that I noticed and I learned is that you have um, some tension there uh, because you have 
different religious groups and everybody kind of has their own area there in Jerusalem. Like you have this space that's predominantly like a lot more Christians tend to be there, maybe like a Jewish area where there's a lot more Jewishes in this area. There's like the Muslim area. Um, and there's tension between the groups because they believe different things in their religion to the extent that um, when we went to the um, Dome of the Rock, which has, uh, which is a predominantly like Muslim area, um, you had to go through like security and they had to like look through your bags. And I remember them telling us like, just so you know, they're going to look through your bags. There's a chance they'll take your Bible away, all that kind of stuff. And then when we got in there, I saw that um, if you were Jewish and you went to that area, you usually had to be escorted by security. We saw people who were walking around there that had literally like a circle of security around them. And so you just see this tension everywhere. But then um, we went to what's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, which I didn't know much about. Um, they told me it is the wall that they say is the last remaining wall from the temple after it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And um, what was so crazy to me is we had just been up um, by the Dome of the Rock, and we had just had this experience where we had all this security everywhere, and there was this tension, and you saw this. But as soon as we went to this area by the wall, it was just such a totally different experience. Because um, you go to this area, and all I saw were there were people, all different kinds of people, you could tell were all different kind of faiths were at this wall. And it was just so quiet and peaceful and respectful and everybody was giving each other the opportunity to go up to the wall and people would do different things. They would put prayers in the wall, they would kiss it, they would pray, all this kind of stuff. And everybody was being so respectful and kind and giving everybody the opportunity. And I remember talking to my professor about this. I was like, that's kind of crazy that we went from this area of all this tension, all this happening around to when we got to this wall, everybody was so respectful and peaceful towards each other, and there was, like, no worry of any tension. And he told me, he was like, yeah, that's because that wall is sacred, and that's a holy place to all these different people, all these different religions. And so when they enter this place, their primary focus is on keeping this a holy and respectful honoring place, which is crazy because my first thought when I heard that was like, well, shouldn't there be like more tension and more war there because they're in this like place that's important to all of them? He's like, no, because their priorities are that it's more important to them to keep their eyes on the fact that this is a holy place. This is a place that deserves respect and love, and that respect and love and reverence overflowed into how they were treating each other. Um, it overflowed into how they were around each other because they were so focused on loving and respecting um, this wall in this area. And that just really hit me and struck me because I was like, shouldn't it be that way for us? That if we, especially as Christians, believe that the Spirit of God is in everybody and that everybody is made in the image of God, shouldn't it be that our love and our respect and our reverence for God is so great that it overflows into everybody that's around us because we constantly believe that we are constantly in the presence of God. Um, and I just took that with me, that now that mindset of now I want to be like that, where I'm so focused on the bigger picture of loving God and respecting him and treating everywhere I go and everybody I meet as a holy place, that I want that to overflow into how I look at the people around me and how I treat them. It's amazing how how much more love we are able to share when our focus is not on the people, but it's centered on God. I will love differently only to the degree that I am centered on God. It's not my fruit, right? It's the, it's the Spirit's fruit. 
It's the result of a God-centered life. And so you have these individuals coming to this space, and they have so many things that, that are trying to tear them apart, but here they have an opportunity to focus in on, on God and, and the blessings that they are requesting and the way in which they are pouring out their thank yous for the blessings that have already come. It's the result of saying yes to God and, and no to self. And so that's what we want for not only our seniors, it's what we want for all of us, that, that we would be a different kind of place and that we would be a different kind of people, that we would begin to learn what it means to love as the Spirit loves, and that we would be individuals that say, you know what, we are so centered on God that we are going to do all that we can to allow the love of God to flow through us. But here's the thing we've got to remember, friends. Uh, nobody drifts toward God. Nobody drifts toward God. We, we either intentionally choose to center on God or we drift further away from the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. Remember I said there is this, there's this uh, battle that's going on between our, our sinful nature and the desire of the Spirit. It, it's taking place within us each and every day. And if we just say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow and I'm just going to see what happens, we will never drift actually to God. And so graduates, I want you to hear this. If you don't get anything else from the things that we've talked about this morning, as you guys are preparing to leave home, please don't leave God. As you guys are preparing to leave home, please don't leave God. Seek out a faith community wherever it is that you end up that will encourage you to live out the Holy Spirit's love. We have here at this place tried to encourage you and prepare you and, and get you ready to be sent out. And that's how we're looking at you guys, that, that we are sending you out to these different campuses, not, as, not as, as sheep among wolves necessarily, but you're going out as victors and you're going out as messengers of Jesus and you're going out as, as victors. You're going out as these individuals who are ambassadors for Jesus Christ who are going out saying there is a different way to love. Because there's a different way to live. And so as we wrap up, Will, Kristen, and I, we want to give you a visual reminder. Something that you can take with you, uh, no matter what campus that you go to. Arizona, right? I mean, that's what, wow. Arizona State. Arizona State, right? Go, go so we're going from Arizona. We've got people here in Chattanooga. All in between, no matter where you go, this is something that you can do. Even those of you, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, if you're at work, if you're at home, this is a visual reminder for you as, as well. I want everyone to um, place your hands on your knees and then turn your hands palms up, okay? So place your hands on your knees and then turn them palms up. Bob Goff in his book, Love Does, says there's something about the hard, the hard wiring that God gives each of us that links the position of our bodies and the position of our hearts. It is, a, it, is, it is fact that with your palms up like you have them right now, it is much harder for you to become angry. It is harder for you to become defensive. Now, if you think about it, what is the position for anger? If you're upset, you clench your fist, right? I mean, you can become angry at just about anything if you just clench your fist long enough. But here as we sit here and we've got our palms up, we're reminded that this is the type of life that Jesus lived. It wasn't a clenched fist kind of life. It was a palms up type of existence. 
And guys, it, it seems like everywhere that we look that we are being encouraged and expected to be angry at somebody, to be upset about something. But Jesus demonstrated a different way of life. He demonstrated a different way to love. So with your palms up, I want you to listen to these words from Scripture. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourselves with love. Keep this position as we pray together. Father, we open our hands and we open our heart to you. And it is our prayer this morning that your spirit would produce the love of Christ in us. That we would be able to learn what it means to love without condition. That we would understand what it means to be a blessing and how that, that is your desire for us. Fathers, we sit here with our palms up. We remember that it's not about going through life with clenched fists. It's not about seeing how loud we could be or how angry we could sound. But how that we can open our hands even to another to help lift someone up, to, to, give, a, to give a handshake of acceptance to someone, to, to welcome someone into our midst. Father, to, to be able to, to wrap our arms around someone. As we sit here with palms up, we, we're reminded of how Jesus lived and, and how he loved. And how first that he loved you and that love just poured out upon all those who were around him. And so, Father, we would like to be different. And we pray for our seniors who are going to be leaving here shortly from our midst. We pray that as they have been in their growing up in their homes and the influence that they have received from their parents, from their grandparents, from, from special teachers, from mentors, and from their church family here, that, Father, they would leave this place as instruments of love, that they would leave this place palms up, and that wherever it is that they go, wherever it is that you lead them, that they would be different, that they would be difference makers, that others would see them and they would see your spirit living through them and that others would be able to experience your love. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've already poured out on these young men and women. We thank you for the blessings that you have given this church family. Help us to be known as the place that loves differently, as the place that lives palms up. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. Guys, I appreciate so much you being here. Will, Kristen, thank you guys for um, making me look better today and uh, giving me the cred that I, uh, I so needed. Uh, we're going to close out this time by singing together. And we're going to sing a song we haven't sang, Wesley said, in a, in a few months. And it's going to be one of those songs that uh, encourages us to, to lift up our voice, to praise God together. And we want you to know that while we are praising God, if you need some time just for individual prayer, there's a prayer room that's in our back in our lobby. One of our elders will be there. Or maybe you just need to come before this church body and say, you know what? I have loved conditionally. I have not allowed the Spirit of God to truly pour out His love in my life. 
and I've not been centered on my God, but I want to do that more. Maybe you'd like to be baptized into Christ. You'd like to come before us and let that be known. We'd love to celebrate with you. Whatever your need is, guys, live and love differently because you are centered on God. Let's stand and give him praise. Lift up the palms.